Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Welcome. Get ready for some awesome. There it is. You know who it is. Jonathan Stormont. Glad to have you. Do they know who it is? What? How are they it's not? It's been a while. Oh, Jonathan. You don't need to mow. No, no, don't. Oh, Jonathan, me. I, I. Did. Assume you just forgotten about me. Here I am over in the west part of Texas, slaving away, doing the. Listening to all the podcasts and waiting anxiously by my computer for the FaceTime call to come in oh, and nothing. Jonathan, but. No, you've gone on to bigger and better things. No. You've got. Other people to, to talk about all the mistakes you made throughout the month. There, Jonathan, I, I'm sorry. I don't want you to feel left out. That was not my intention. It, then why did you send me that text message? I'm leaving you out. I hope you realize <laughs> that. <laughs> That's you know what. It was a it was a gift that was just misunderstood. That's not what it was. It was supposed to be. I had it more like a playful kind of thing. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad you're back. Um, you know, we've, we've got some big news to talk about. and We do. A big change. And uh, do you think we should tell the people about it? Uh, we do. Well, do you want to say... I think Luke's intern is suing. What? Is that... Oh, is that... Is that not what we're talking My about? My intern is not suing. Just, he He loves working here. He's had like... Two weeks. He's in the room with me right now. How long have you been working now? Two weeks. This will be his second Sunday. I mean, he's loving it. Ask Nathan. Ask Nathan. Come here, Nathan. If um, is he is he doing a foot massage right now? Yeah, is that he's doing. He's in there. He's doing a foot massage right now, and I think that he he likes. He's a, say how much you love love this job. I really love this job. See, there it was. That was not even. <laughs> he sounded under duress. <laughs> Were you under duress? No. See, that even sounds very believable. All right, go sit back down, Nathan. That was, he's enjoying this. I did have someone send, send me a text, or I think I was talking on the phone and said, hey, make sure you keep hazing your intern on Instagram stories. And I don't feel like it's hazing. I feel like I'm, like, this is how you coach someone. I actually had one elder say, Luke, watching you with Nathan is kind of like a high school locker room all over again. And I was like, I hope that's a, like a, a good thing, which I think it is, but... Yeah, yeah. I think locker room talk is a generally positive sentiment these days. It gets you elected president. People people appreciate. <laughs> I think he's virtue signaling that he thinks you're a jerk. <laughs> I I think it's presidential behavior. That's what it is. It's presidential. I like it's important for me to pass on my wisdom to the next generation and this is how I do that. And so two weeks you should be done by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just now perfected my lunch order. He got it almost right today. I feel like next week he's just going to get it. Oh gosh, anyway. you are becoming unbearable. No, unbearable. No, we've been doing good work. He's 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 been dare I say helpful. That might be an overstatement, but he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. You ready for the big news? We should tell everyone? Let's do it. Do you want to say it or do you want me to? Who do you want? Do you want- uh, well, I think, I, honestly, I, I'm not sure exactly what news you're talking about because the world you live in kind of revolves around you, so I'm not sure if if it's, okay. you know, you've changed a diet or you're okay. thinking about a new haircut <laughs> or what, what exactly. Okay, fine. I'll say the news, all right? Okay. My book is now available for pre-sale on Amazon.com. 
I knew it. I knew it. That's exciting news. You can go pre-order my book right now. First off, it is moderately exciting news. I will give you that. Congratulations. Congratulations. My my daughter, Adeline, has been taunting me for about a week and a half. I came home last weekend to posters that she had hung in my house that says, Adeline's book is better than daddy's book. She's taunting me. Yeah. I have, I have an uncle who has uh, like his fifth edition of his veterinarian textbook that came out. And it came out in May. And he keeps reminding me that his book comes up first when you type in Norsworthy on Amazon. And I'm like, oh, hold on. I want to try that right now. Yeah, go for it. And so if you... Well, it, it'll actually mess up our internet. Okay. But even if you don't want to read the book, which hypothetically you can't imagine because we're all friends and you definitely want to read the book. But even if you don't want to, like buy the book just so my uncle stops saying that his book comes in first on Amazon. Just go and pre-order. Or, or go five-star review his uncle's book and one-star review oh. his book. That's not even funny. And, and <laughs> talk about how much better That's... the other Norsworthy was and how disappointed you were with not learning about animal medicine that you, what you assumed okay. you were going to do. Right. All right, fine. Okay, we don't need to do current events anymore. If you're going to, like, rain on this parade, <laughs> fine. All right, well, let's just start talking about the podcasts. It's a good book. I hope a lot of people read it, and um, okay, that's fine. congratulations. Okay, well. Still still talking about Eagle's book. That hurts. All right. <laughs> okay, I know you probably didn't want to bring this up, but uh, I guess we should mention it, that uh, you've been let go by Highland, <laughs> and... You're looking for a new job. I think you found a new job already, though, right? Just in the nick of time. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> but you're moving back to Arkansas, and I mean, it, that's <laughs> it's very exciting. Congratulations! It's you know what? Thanks, man. Life gives you lemons. <laughs> Make lemonade. So I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I think most of the time when people listen to us do a podcast, they think whenever one of us is talking, that's too mean. And then when the other one starts talking, they're like, oh, yeah, that, no, that's, that's that was that last one was justified. But it's done in love. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I am um, leaving the wonderful church that is Highland at the end of June. And I'm going to a great church in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is like basically my hometown and um, going to start there in July. So big news for our little family. And I am legitimately happy for you to be able to, to get to come back home and being there with uh, mom and dad and having the kids grow up around them. I think that is a uh, huge blessing and I'm very, very excited for you. You're actually going to be living in your childhood home. Is that right? I am. Yeah. We're, we're going to move back into that five acres with a creek that, runs behind it. My dad, for my entire life uh, of living in Texas, so half of my life, every time I come home, says, puts his arm around me and says, what we need to do is get the family back together. And to that end, they've just rented out the house I grew up in for the last 18 years. Mm-hmm. And basically, are, so it, I mean, it's, it's great. It's definitely a decision that kind of we knew it was going to break our hearts either way. And I'm, there's so many things I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss being around college students so much and, um, you know, being able to be around Randy and Richard and Jeff and 
so many of my friends here. And anyway, it, it's bittersweet. You, you've left churches to go to another one before, and you know how heartbreaking it is. Um, and at the same time, there's a sense of excitement about. Here's so for me one of the one of the things with a, a lot of people could do my job at Highland, and and probably do it even a lot better than I can, and would like to do it. You know, mm-hmm. and um. One of the things that I just felt a real strong sense of calling in that all the people that I, I hang out with that are, you know, um, working at large churches in our fellowship, um, I started thinking everybody that all, all of my friends in my peer group, they all work at churches in Texas or Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing the preachers who are doing good work in Arkansas, but I didn't know any of my friends who were, you know, doing keynotes at Pepperdine or ACU or, you know, things like that, that wanted to work in Arkansas. And I love Arkansas. You know what I mean? I kind of root as the underdog, you know, we're the 49th in everything, but, um, yeah, I love those people and I, I, have a real heart for that place and I just realized like the the depth chart was way deeper for you know Highland and and Churches of Christ in Texas than it was in Arkansas maybe well I does that make sense? no it completely makes sense to me and there's something special about people who are doing doing good work where they're from there's a level of connection that you get the cultural climate, you get the questions people are asking, you understand the stories, and I think there's great work that can be done. Yeah. And like, obviously, you left a bigger church to go to a smaller church, and you know, not everyone's doing that these days. And I think for someone who's willing to to do that, I think it speaks to the um, you know kind of heart you have for Arkansas, and dare I say, your character that you know what matters most isn't the way that people are typically drawing up success these days, and. It, the whole idea, the whole narrative of coming home, I mean, that's an archetypal narrative of you, you want to come home, there's something special to that. And, you know, for that, I'm, I'm very happy for you. Thanks, man. That, that means a lot because it really is a decision that was heartbreaking either way. And um, we entered into that process originally because my dad has Parkinson's and we just didn't want to have any regrets and did not think that, that was going to turn out the way it has. But, Super grateful for it, you know. And, um, anyway, I will tell you that right after you had the podcast with Brian Zahn and Richard Beck, uh, which I thought was amazing, by the way. Um, you know, me and Michael Peters were waiting outside as y'all were finishing that up, and picked up Richard and took him to dinner and and told him because I wanted him to hear from me because he's you know one of my best friends in Abilene. Yeah. So, that's- that's got to be the toughest part about leaving Highland is you leave, you know, great friends like Richard Beck and Randy Harris. And obviously you're stepping into a situation where you already have friends. Um, and so it's not like you, you're not going to have connections, but there's something really unique about leading a church that has a lot of great leaders in it. And uh, I, I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of questions people are going to have. Like for one, are you still going to be able to do the podcast? Um, specifically, <laughs> I don't know. Specifically, is I've there in bar the last two well, months? The, like, I mean, the real question is, people are asking, is there internet there? Like, are you going to be able to communicate that way? Another question I feel like 
I feel like another. <laughs> you, you answered another question. Some people were wondering if, like, at your new house, you're going to have running water. But I think you answered that because you said there's a creek that runs through the property, and so that's that's pretty. I mean, people also have the question like, what's next for Highland? Because between you and um, Mike, uh, and then obviously before you, the predecessor of Mike, our, our favorite Canadian preacher, Lynn Anderson. I mean, Highland has had some of the absolute best preachers who are under five foot nine inches tall. And so how are they going to find, how are they going to find another one? I don't know. Like there's a lot of, a lot of things that are up in the air. We're trying to figure out. I'm just going to let you go ahead and finish this whole bit. And then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> it seems like, <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I can use that as my opener when I preach at Highland in a couple weeks? I feel like the five nine thing. That's right, man. Yeah, it's weird. You that, can, uh, yeah. Of that course. the Sunday after you're gone, they've asked me to come in and kind of clean up some of the work that you've been doing over the last eight years. I I asked you to come in. Mm-hmm. I asked you to come to in. clean it up. So the, they're not. No, I didn't ask you to clean it up. Um, uh, it's going to be tough to get uh, that. In just one sermon, but I, I think people are going to understand if it goes a little long. But anyway, I'm, I'm excited right. to be there in July. Yeah, I'm excited that you're going to get to be here in July. I wish I could be here with mm-hmm. you, but I will. I will be moving to Arkansas. Mm. Well, congratulations on the move. I know one of the things that's going to be probably toughest for you is that ranking you were tweeting about where you're no longer number six. Now you're like number 30. And th- that's something you've taken a lot of pride in, uh, being like in the top 10 largest Churches of Christ churches. And so it's cool for you to step away from that. Happy for you. Yeah. It's now the point where I'm supposed to bring up that Westover is, what number are y'all in the list that you have by, by now no doubt memorized? Honestly, I, <laughs> I didn't even read it. I saw that you tweeted about it. I didn't even read it. Um, you're like, I think you're like... 15th or 16th and I imagine I imagine a staff meeting today after you saw that list that said alright guys we have got to get together and figure out how to take down Saturn Road no I've been like trying to do vocal lessons so my voice can sound half as good as Chris Seaman so we can catch up with the branch (laughs) no kidding when is puberty going to bring your voice down I don't know probably we're we're still keeping our fingers crossed so let's talk about um, one of the people who's probably most excited about this transition uh, Richard Beck um, <laughs> who? Uh, yes, he did. Uh, he did hear the news just after that podcast ended, and uh, that was a great podcast. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so, uh, when you asked a question about what you thought they had in common, I, I, I knew your. I knew that that was what you were going at. All those things, and I imagine. Um, first off, you are good at that. You are good at like uh, reading beneath. You know, kind of this. This is really common and making connections with. I think that's been one of the great gifts your podcast has given our tribe. Um, but I also think both of those guys have the same kind of instincts. I immediately thought reconstruction, liturgy, mm-hmm. love for the local yep. church. Yeah, and they both with the enneagram as a tool. <laughs> I mean, they're they're coming from similar places: five with the four wing or four with the five wing. And so, you know, the, the glasses through which they see the world is somewhat similar. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think I respect so much that the people who are deeply committed to the local church and the way that they describe Christianity and 
you know, their, their social media presence and the things that they're writing about in their books, it's deeply different than those who are outside of it. And I, I, I deeply value both of their perspectives for that reason, along with Perry, you know, uh, Brian's uh, significant other who was there on the podcast with us as well. But yeah, I, I value, I value Brian's stuff so much that I, and this is crazy, but I went to all of the prayer school at, that he did at Pepperdine. Really? Good for you. Every, I did. Yeah. The whole thing. What was, what was your favorite part of that second half? Uh, you know, to say just one, I think would really diminish the totality of his message. And so I don't want to just pick, pick one. So the, the totality of his message was what you loved. The, the whole thing. The entire yeah, thing. From, from start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> I had some work I had to get done and I went to the first uh-huh. part and I had to duck out before the next one. We were sitting next to each other and I come back and I, I thought, what? The rapture. Did, has Luke perfected prayer? That's, that's definitely an option that some people have thought about. And uh, <laughs> I, I actually have, I actually have his liturgy sitting right behind me. I've been holding on to it, sitting on my desk, and it's just having some structure for that has been good. H- have you tried to incorporate uh, some of his practice in what you do? I, I know it's only been a couple of weeks. Um, there is some similarity. No, to answer your question, no. But I have that still. I'm planning on it. But it takes it takes a lot more time, and my life got significantly crazier right after Harbor. Yeah. So, um, but one of the things I would say that I took away from it was prayer is not. I mean, he has a liturgy and a, and a, a ritual, and it's great. The stuff he's kind of incorporated and cobbled together from different traditions. But one of the things that I was impressed with about that prayer school was like, okay, this is a commitment. This is like a significant amount of time in the mornings that he is spending just to be with God and to have a certain kind of time with God versus, you know, I'm going to have a 10-minute, 15-minute Devo. I mean, I feel like there is a time commitment there that I think – would make you a better prayer if you could yeah, do it. Yeah, I definitely it. agree. Uh, one of the podcasts that comes out in, uh, I think it's probably two weeks from now, I did a live podcast with Suzanne Stabile at uh, Westover last week. And there was uh, a young mother who asked about, you know, time with for silence or meditation or something. And she had, a, you know, a four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And Suzanne said, yeah, that's basically like going to the bathroom, like locking the door. Like that's the extent of the quiet time you have uh, to to enter into those practices. And so different stages of life offer different types of spiritual formation. And I don't think it's fair to prescribe that to, you know, someone moving. It's probably difficult to do that. Uh, I think a lot of young parents, it's not realistic, but it's definitely, you know, a goal that you can go like, if you do this, it will change who you are. And that's, that's pretty powerful. I, I, I love what he's doing with that yeah okay so here's something i thought about during that podcast at one point y'all were talking about i can't remember what it was but it was something about uh i can't remember the exact way y'all got there but it was something about lost people and um you know like uh hell and heaven and do you remember what i'm talking about when y'all were talking about that and he's talking about the different terminology that he was using for it. I believe that that happened. I trust you. I don't remember exactly what that was. Though. Yeah, so it w- y'all were basically talking about um, maybe a- evangelism. And anyway, here's what I had in mind that I just thought 
I'd been going through this as well. Because, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm transitioning to other churches, and one of the things that I've, I've realized is I believe almost everything I used to believe, but for deeper and better mm-hmm. reasons. And one of the things, and it's in line with both what Richard and Brian were saying, but it's, oh, it was lost people as a cliche. That's one of the things he said. Yeah. He said, I don't use that language because it's cliche. And I realized what one of the problems that we have when we talk about, besides the fact that lost people can be uh, dehumanizing to uh, other people, you know what I mean? Like you, you categorize them and then, but one of the, one of the things that I think everybody who who is inside a church and has seen the beauty of what the gospel does to somebody's life realizes what you're trying to say with shorthand in in that term. You know, when I think of lost people, I'm thinking about uh, Robert and Nicole Highland who were addicted for 28 years, and then you know their kids got taken away by CPS and. Uh, a, a Highland member adopts them into foster care and then uh, helps them get their kid back, starts giving them rides to take the kid to the doctor and ultimately invites them to church and they come and like get baptized and they're free from addiction and yeah. you know that's what, what I'm thinking of. You know, it's like it, once it becomes not an, uh, a category in which you've put people in but an actual person that you know their story all of a sudden you realize like and you also realize i was lost my my struggle with the phrase like that's a lost person is it comes across as pejorative like if i'm an outsider and i hear people talking about me like outside of their social group as oh i'm a lost person it makes me feel like put off by that group i don't i don't want to be a part of it and so like Mm -hmm. i get the tendency to not want to use that language just because it's derogative to, to outsiders. But there's another part of it that there are people who are in, in church every Sunday who've, who've done the baptism, they say the prayers, but they're very lost right now. And they're at a season where, mm-hmm. where they, they are not home. And, and it's almost like, like once I get saved, once I get baptized, I'm in, and then I can never be lost again. And so the language is broken, but then again, every metaphor does eventually break down. And so if you like push it all the way to its end, yeah, the, the metaphor is going to be, break. But I think the language does help us because it realizes like that there is something that is life transformative about the message of Jesus. And just like the gospel, the there's good news and bad news in the same word. And what it means when Jesus talks about the law because it's coming from Luke 15, the best story of what God is like that I know of. And what it, Jesus is saying when he talks about lost is that God is looking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the part that, uh, let's not like, don't let that be cliche because that's the part that ev- that's good news for yeah. everybody. Yep. And anyway, that, um, uh, okay, so one of, let's jump over. Jack Deere, who is on six or seven weeks before that, who, uh, like, you actually have some connection to Jack Deere, which I didn't realize until afterwards that... Y- yeah, I, I, I loved that, that podcast. Um, I thought, I, lo- I love, um, it seems to me over the past few couple of years, you have been making an intentional uh, 
move to be like what Christine Kane talked about. Be like get to know the the broader body yeah. of Christ and not just the people that we tend to like. Because um, me and you, we there are there are groups of Christians that we gravitate towards because their ideas are just compelling to us at the time. And um, for 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 me, Jack Deere was kind of the dark horse. I, I didn't see that podcast yeah. coming, but I'm really glad yeah. you did it. I think that has been intentional. Part of it is because when I started the podcast, uh, it, I, I was trying to make sense of my faith and like put it put it back together. And that's not the phase that mm-hmm. I'm in right now. So the conversations I'm interested in are a little bit wider than that. I don't have the same sense of urgency of I need to figure this out. Uh, which you can <laughs> that would be an awesome way to start yeah. podcast back then. Help save my face, yes. please. And if you want to know more about that, you can pre-order my book and it'll tell you all about it. But, um, <clears throat> so the Jack... That's Dr. Northworthy, 5th <laughs> edition. How dare you. Feline <laughs> Health is not the name of it. Um, the Jack Deere one... So l- let me tie this back to, to the save stuff. When I was in college, I read a ja- couple Jack Deere books when I was in like a you know, charismatic phase because of like the Matt Chandler Beltway Park influence of my undergraduate years. And, you know, they were deep into his stuff. And as I read this book, I found a guy who was relationship after relationship, as he describes them in the book, his high school best friend, like has a falling out, his seminary falling out, his church in Fort Worth falling out, his church in Montana falling out, his marriage a falling out. And so you have a guy who narrates his own story and it's broken relationship after broken relationship. And if you want to have like clearly yeah. defined lines of who's lost and who's saved, well, obviously he's a believer in Jesus and like his eternal destination. Yeah, I'm not debating any of that. Um, but as you see in fractured relationship after fractured relationship, like there is not a home that God intends for him to be at that he's experiencing in those relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I- and that's true. C.S. Lewis has that bit in Mere Christianity where he addresses this kind of argument and he says, just imagine what someone would be without Jesus. Because you can't compare, like, you know, he, he came from a, a home where his suicide. father committed yeah. suicide. Yeah. And um, Jesus turned his life around, but he, there's still, you know, problems, relationship problems. I have, you know, I have, imagine what I would be like without yeah. Jesus. No, I, I don't think that dissuades um, someone from joining, like, the Jesus movement. I, I think the argument is, like, uh, who made this argument? But it was building on C.S. Lewis's argument. It might have been Keller, but, yeah, someone who's a Christian still might be a jerk. I'm not saying Jack Deere is a jerk. There's someone who's a Christian who's a jerk, but how less of a jerk are they because of Jesus? So, I, like, I don't think it devalues, like, the transformative yeah. power of the gospel. I think it speaks to, like, our all continually needing perpetual saving to get us home. That's right. That's right. Daily grace. And it's not hard for me doing the place with you to imagine someone who's a Christian and a jerk. Just, just so you know. Why is that? I'm just saying, well, I mean, I'm, just, well, I'm glad I you have, like, I, uh, I appreciate that you're listening to what I said. That, that probably is very helpful to hear my instruction. Like that's what you, you mean. <laughs> I'm not Nathan. I am not well, Nathan. You, Kind of, kind of, uh, not a, kind of. Uh, oh, okay, so Jack Deere. So he's your guy. You were you had an option to like possibly go work for him at one point. Um, hearing his story, obviously, it's it's something you didn't see coming when you heard that story. I don't know if you read the book or not yet, but um, probably had it a little bit on your hands. But 
knowing that about his story, was that new information to you? D- d- surprising? What was it? <clears throat> well, okay, so when I was at the Hills in Fort Worth, I went, Bill New was an elder at the Hills uh, for a long time. Did we say Bill? Very open, opened me up to the... Bill knew him. Bill knew him. What? Bill, I, th- I thought that's where you go. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, uh, opened me up to uh, a different perspective on the Holy Spirit and was actually kind of a mentor to Jack Deere. And I didn't know that, but he wanted me to have lunch with him one time. And that, that's how I found that hmm. out because, you know, Jack Deere was this, you know, scholar and, and well known pastor and, um, I was swimming in those same circles you were in some ways, and um, we have lunch, and it was right when that stuff was happening with his son and all those kind of things, and I just watched Brother Bill kind of pastor uh, Jack, and um, so some of that was really like, surprising, and I've just never mentioned it, but then I, to hear it on a podcast and that he's written so openly about it um you know that was sadly it's it's a good book and the reason it's a good book is because there's a ton of conflict and it's it's really Mm -hmm. impressive that he's willing to put that all out there and write so vulnerably and uh i hope a lot of people find grace in that because you know many of us end up in tough spots in life and it's nice to see that you're not the only one and that others have had to walk down some pretty some pretty dark paths um all right, let me, yeah. let, let's jump over to, uh, you mentioned Christine Kane a second ago. Let's talk about her a little bit. Uh, you, you obviously knew who Christine Kane was before she came to Pepperdine, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course I did too. I didn't really, I don't know a ton about her. I didn't really know much about her. I knew I was going to do the podcast. I literally am getting texts right at the beginning when I'm starting the uh, Fate and Josh Graves podcast that Mike says, hey, uh, this is her assistant. You guys are going to do a podcast tomorrow afternoon. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's figure out what to say and um uh, so so i text my friend paul who knows uh christine's husband nick somewhat well he said they've spent a night in a brothel together which probably needs to be clarified very clearly that they were filming something for like (laughs) compassion international or something not actually you know brotheling but (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not not a verb. Is it a gerund? Uh, Brothel. When she was talking, so this is what stuck with me. Her stuff about preachers being called out by the congregation has stood out. I've started to like take a notepad with me when I go to listen sermons because I'm thinking Mm -hmm. I I get more out of this as a listener if I put the work into it and like am actively participating. Have have you ever thought about that before? Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, and that you'll get uh, certain churches will get something different out of you. I, 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 you know, I'm listening to this through the lens of my own life, and I was just thinking about like uh, what the hills got out of me was different than what Highland drew Explain out that. of me. What's the difference? Does that make sense? Uh, well, I mean, I think so. I literally just wrote this sentence because I'm writing my last sermon for Highland now. But um, the I, they say preachers form churches. I do believe that's true. You, you know, over course of years, one brick at a time, you're building something. But churches also yep. form preachers, and so you know, like the 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 different kind of ways that you realize, 
like what what it looks like to call a church to to move forward to uh, imagine what it means to live out the way of Jesus here is different. And um, y'all were talking more, more audience participation, and both of us, uh, you know, like the Hills had a lot of audience participation. There was a lot of amens, and um, at Highland, it, it's more. Um, Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, they're more academic. Like, yeah, on our be- yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's not just that. There's amens and there's there's uh, people, but uh, they would, you know, like for example, I I I learned at Highland I needed to do deeper than what I currently was doing, and it made me like realize certain things about God that I never would have thought about on my own. And um, anyway. Yep. That kind of stuff. The the experience, I think she talked about on the podcast, the experience of at a black church compared to a white church. And the you know, Pentecostal mm-hmm. churches have you know far more of that than you know where we come from. Where there's more participation, there's more involvement. The like the church in some ways like guides where the preacher goes, like the stereotypical <laughs> African American preaching. Uh, the preacher's waiting when he gets the responses or she gets the responses, she she goes down that road where the church is calling it out. And like, I do that mm-hmm. in my Thursday lunch group, but it's far more like, okay, tell me what you heard. Okay, what stood out to you? And then I rewrite the sermon, the conclusion right. based on what I heard from that like focus group, basically. Um, so here's what, here's what I was thinking, and this is exactly, it's, it's the same thing. When she was talking about that, she's talking about it just from that very mm-hmm. moment. And, you know, like by having, you know, she probably has uh, dozens of different traveling yeah. sermons, but for... Do- Dozens of different, uh, hundreds of different churches and audiences and stuff. Um, I was thinking it's true. Uh, sometimes verbally in the assembly, like in uh, Pentecostal churches, but the same thing is true for our, you know, you know, the churches we preach at. But it just mm-hmm. happens differently. Like Thursday lunches that we both have done. Um, you know, having. You get feedback. You learn. This is how they hear the yeah. gospel best. And yeah. Anyway, it's easier I, when they're just giving you real time feedback. I can imagine. I haven't preached that consistently, but anyway. Yeah, I, I love her her idea though. I had uh, a couple of people come up to me after listening to that podcast and go, oh, "I was waiting to say amen," and the only thing I could come up with is you made a joke about yourself. And I said, "Oh yeah, you're definitely not a good singer," or something to that extent. And I was like, "Well, that's a start. It's baby steps." Baby steps. I don't think that's what old Christine was uh, was discussing. But you know, that's how the church stays together. Go for it. Um, whatever. <laughs> Just the sacrificial lamb uh, that is Luke. That's exactly, hey, that's so what I'm here for. Uh, the Paschal Lamb, dare I say? Uh, it's not me. It's Jesus. But I play the role. Um, okay. Speaking of keeping churches together, you want to jump back to the? Uh, did you get to listen to Adam Hamilton podcast, Pastor? Uh, from Missouri, Missouri, whatever that is. I did. I, I, I don't did. know about you. The thing that stood out to me the most was his church can be politically divided um, and have different conclusions on even one of the most hot-button subjects of the day, which uh, is LGBTQ participation involvement in church, and they can still stay together. That That's so fascinating to me, and I don't know many churches that can pull. Yeah, I am. I, um... I, I love that podcast. I've listened. I've listened and uh, read Adam, Adam Hamilton for years for a lot of different reasons, and I've always uh, found Methodist the Methodist spirituality um, 
intriguing and compelling to me. So <clears throat> I really like that podcast, and that is actually the thing that stood out to me the most as well. Is it like that at Westover? Because at Highland, I have I feel like Highland is probably the most um, politically diverse church in Abilene that I know of. Do you think part of that is because you have the mixture of ACU academic people and then a West Texas town that uh, I, I think was the highest yeah. Trump supporting county in the country? Wasn't that somewhat right? Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, why. Uh, I think uh, Westover is more politically diverse than most Church of Christ churches. Part of that is because you're in Austin and you have a more left-leaning town, but then you also have people from outside Austin, and the political perspective outside of Austin, the suburbs, is substantially different than in the town. So, I, yeah, I think somewhat, I wouldn't say that we're like 50-50 uh, in terms of left and right, but I do think one of the things that I love the most about Westover is that it is diverse to some degree. Yeah, I, I actually, I, you know, it, it, it was challenging preaching the Sunday after the election and yep. things like that. But I, I actually think it's one of the great strengths of a church to be able to, because um, it, it, it says you're united around more than that. And it challenges your kind of political idolatry at almost every turn. Yeah, I was, when we were at the Hills, I think Obama get got elected for the first time, mm-hmm. and I remember Rick's sermon afterwards, in which Fort Worth is a pretty Republican leaning town, and I think the church probably reflects that. I don't have any da- data to confirm that, but I remember the way he handled that, and I thought, hmm, take note, let's run it back again whenever you know I'm preaching on election week, and. Honestly, I just kind of followed that model of, you know, some people are really happy, some people aren't. Jesus is still on the throne. And I feel like yeah. that's the best of what, you know, the Church of Christ Anabaptist stuff can can remind us is some of you are really happy this time of year, some of you are not. But all of, all along, our commitment was not uh, for the person on the throne in D.C. It's it's the one in heaven. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, one of the best descriptions uh, I've heard about the mission of God in the church is to live a different way together and invite the world into it but yeah i mean like that's just totally different than trying to vote vote change legislate change all those things can be fine but um and this is i mean beck and zon talked about this if if you if you lose your passion for the local church you begin to think the only way you can affect change is by voting it in yeah so and I've seen so many people who've gone from, hey, I'm, I'm right, you know, I'm right, as in politically, politically right, and then I swing left, and when I was on the right, I was saying, you know, politics aren't the answer, and then as they swing left, all of a sudden, politics become more and more the answer. Right. And I, I don't think that's a one-side issue. I think both sides can, can fall in that temptation of, you know, politics are the answer, not the kingdom of heaven. And that's what... Hey, why do you say anyway. kingdom of heaven instead of kingdom of God? You're like the only preacher I know that says that. You're like Matthew of the Gospels. Yeah, I think that's why. Because Matthew's... A tax collector. The longest... Loves money. Gospel. Go ahead. What? The longest. It's the first one. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do like kingdom of heaven better. I don't know why. Because I'm... 
I respect God so much that I would like to use that as a subtle reference that I shouldn't even say his name, mm. just like a good Jewish person, or because I like Matthew's gospel. I don't know. <laughs> that, it's just well, always stood out to me. You say it so much. <clears throat> is there something wrong with saying that? No. It's, it's fine. It's just weird. Fine. I'm but, sorry yeah, that you fine. don't like the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> I like I heaven, and I like the kingdom of God. Um, I just I guess you have a problem not with me but with the Bible which is not the first time that's been said <laughs> okay Jonathan um, alright so we've got the month of June coming up I've got uh, Austin Channing Brown she returns we did a podcast with her infant son on her lap so that was one that still requires a good bit of editing to clean that one up. Is that um, Black, Dig- Black Dignity in a White World? Uh, yeah, the, that's the subtitle. The actual title is I'm Still Here, um, but uh, Black Dig- Dignity in a White World, I believe, is the subtitle. Um, yeah, that's a, I, I read that book, and um, I'm going to recommend you all do the same thing. I, it seems like that book's done really, really well on social media, uh, cool. but I don't know if... Uh, anyway, whatever. It's a good book. That's next. Uh, and then I had Suzanne Stabile, who was down in Austin... Um, she's got her book. I think it's uh, The Path Between Us. It's the one on relationships. We did a live podcast at Westover, and I think that one turned out pretty well. And so I'm going to do it. Is there hope for us in the future with Suzanne Stabile? Yeah, I mean, if, if you can stop being a du- duplicitous three and learn to be honest, uh, that would probably be the place to start. I think that's what Suzanne would say, is that mm. I should tell you everything that's wrong with you, and then you try to see the world as I do, and we'll be happy. Um, I think that's right. Does that sound right? Yeah. Uh, it sounds like what you would have heard yeah. when you... Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right, then after We'll that- have uh, a couple more podcasts. And then for the month of July, I think I'm going to take a break. And so I'll have... Um, I might like put one or two up in the month of July. I don't think so, though. Uh, and uh, just kind of take some time away. Okay. Well, help, hold on. Here's the problem. That's when everybody's traveling. So here's what I, I suggest. Okay. Do. What do you suggest? Turn over the keys to the kingdom. And no, just just let me have the podcast. What are you going to talk about? And no, no, don't worry. You're on vacation. You want to record a podcast and post it? All, I want to do all four. weeks. I don't know about four weeks. No, I just want to um, just. And basically, what we're going to do is call call up some of the old people and and uh, have them clarify like the ways that you've led them astray. How about this? I will let, if you, if you record a podcast, I'll post it in July. I was totally kidding. I'm moving, man. Well, you should have promised that. I mean, you got the people all excited for, yeah, get ready for some all all shucks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. You are, you are something else, man. (laughs) (laughs) Else. <laughs> hey, no, for real. I get I get taking a break from July. You're like what 300 episodes in. It's a well earned respite. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just I always take July off from preaching. I feel like I probably should do that with the old podcast. I've got uh, August. I've got a couple lined up that um, uh, that I think might be probably the two biggest names, two of the bigger bigger names I've ever had. Uh, I've already had some scheduling for those that that might happen. So any any teasing. There, um, about who those could be. Um, okay, the first one I believe is going to be the. I'm not going to confirm or deny, but the preacher with the largest arms. 
in American Christianity today? Largest arms yeah. in American Christianity yeah. today. Okay. Yeah. The only thing larger than his arms is his, is his church. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 You're going a different direction. Yeah, different direction. Uh, but, All right. Yeah, but uh, another one that's a pretty big name. We'll see. Uh, that's August. I'm very excited about that. Uh, we also have Aaron Nequist has a book coming out, and um, uh, Austin from just up the road uh, in Temple. Uh, what is Austin Fisher? He's got a book coming out in uh, in August. And um, anyway, I've got a bunch of stuff and, for that. And your book comes out in October, yeah, right? Yeah. So we'll uh, when we get back in August, I'll tell you some book launch stuff that we'll be doing and um yeah part i, I know august is or the uh, the fall is gonna be pretty busy so that's part of the reason i want to get away for august and uh yeah just kind of do a little self-care well we all we all hope you come back improved <laughs> jonathan we do we'll, we'll talk to you once before you move to uh to arkansas and uh so we'll yeah. get the uh the wrap-up of your time at highland and um yeah, we'll see about that. Jonathan, best wishes on the move. I seriously am happy for you. Thank you, man. I think you're doing the right thing, and uh, I'm, I'm proud of you. Well done. Thanks, man. And well done this month. Get ready for some aw shucks. I like that. <laughs> Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned. 